This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Liberty. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. This podcast is brought to you by T-Rex Knives. T-Rex Knives is your go-to for any custom knife works. Joe is our friend, and if you tell him that Non-Typical Nation sent you, he'll treat you just like family. Go to T-Rex Knives for all of your custom knife works. Today's podcast is brought to you by Smith Game Calls. Today's guest on this podcast anchored an absolute giant Alberta bull elk, and he used the Impulse Cow Call to bring that bull in. The Impulse Cow Call is an open read call, and you can get that one at smithgamecalls.ca. Use promo code NONTYPICAL at checkout for 15% off. Today's podcast is brought to you by Old Smokes Coffee. Check out oldsmokescoffee.com for your smoked roasted coffee, your conventional roasted coffee, and all your Old Smokes Coffee merchandise. Use promo code NONTYPICAL for a special discount. Yeah, so we're back with another podcast, the first one of 2021. First one. Right on, right on. And you just got back from uh, setting a trail camera at one of your wolf baits? I just got back, put a camera out finally. How are things looking? It looks good. There's lots yeah, of traffic, lots Ton, of wolves. tons of tracks, lots of spots where they're uh, shitting and hanging out and yeah. rolling around in the snow and baits wow. pretty chewed on, but there's still lots when there. When did you so. put that bait out? Boxing day. So it's, oh, geez. So it's the been, sixth. So it's been 10 it's days. It's been uh, 10 days. 10 days. Yeah. Right on. So they've, uh, they've been nibbling on it. Yeah. They've been, they've been there. They've yeah. been there. Yeah. Like I said, didn't have a camera there until tonight. So hopefully... Yeah. Hopefully they're back. Right on, man. Well, that's good. Hopefully uh, it'd be something else if you could kill one or I'm have somebody yeah. come Hopefully. and kill one. Somebody, anybody. For sure. Anybody. Right There's on. lots, lots around. Yeah. Cool, cool. So we got a special guest on today's podcast, guys. He is an avid hunter, outdoorsman, family man, and uh, he's got a lot of stories to tell. So we look forward to tying him into this uh, today's podcast. Um, we also have the winner from our last podcast giveaway. And um, we're going to do the same thing on this podcast, guys. Tune into our Facebook page on the day this podcast is, is released or the day after, whatever. When you hear this podcast, when you're listening right now, go to Facebook. We'll have a question that's going to tie into this podcast. So you'll have to listen to be able to answer the question. Send us the answer and you will be entered to win um, another prize package. So in this prize package that we're doing this week, we actually got some limited quantity, limited edition um, blaze orange with a black non-typical nation logo sweaters. We're going to give away one of those and also uh, throw in a non-typical nation decal. And um, what else do we got here? We got to have some goodies around here. Yeah, you got a. You got a little been more prepared for. You this, got a so. cupboard full of goodies back there. You know what? Why don't we? Uh, we'll throw in uh, a couple Smith Game Calls elk reads as well. So that's a wicked prize package. Give the you, sweaters are super nice. Those sweaters. I had to get my hands on one of those sweaters. As soon as I saw them, I told you you got to bring me one of those. Yeah, we got four of them. That was it. For some reason, the color. Um, the folks who are making them for us, they're having issues getting this color in. Um, but I actually got two more boxes so i've oh, got right some on, more right in on, right now on. i don't know they aren't up online um because there's a lot of guys internally here with us that that wanted some so we're just uh getting them to the the people who who want them first and once we can get a get more of them then we'll put them up online but whoever wins this giveaway is going to get one of those uh those sweet bright orange and black emblem 
non-typical nation sweaters. And then you're going to get a whole bunch of, uh, you know, or a few Smith Game Calls diaphragms. Yeah, and we'll toss gonna, a couple of those in. You're going to have lots of time to practice up on your, your cow chirps and your, yeah. your big bugles and, uh, you know, piss the dogs off and yeah. get the wife mad at you oh, and yeah. annoy the kids. and The kids love it. Some of the kids, kids love it. Man, yeah. when they we are sitting down having supper, Rhett will start howling. I tell you one though, your your kid Jackson, will your do your his oldest, call. your oldest could win a cow calling competition. <laughs> but when we brought him out elk hunting, he was a little nervous. He didn't quite have it. But when he's in the shop and at home, yeah. he's just well, he's, he's still scared the shit out of me. One time, when yeah. he, he he cow chirped behind me. The last thing I expected. You can hit that that high tone of a, a really perfect uh, call. I'll call it. Yeah, he yeah, knows what it's. Else. He definitely knows what it sounds like. Amy pulls her hairs out here out though. Rhett will start howling. Then Jack will start howling. Then Jackson will do his call. I'll call. Then Rhett will try to do a call. I'll call. And yeah, it's awesome. It is awesome. So yeah, guys, check out our Facebook page right now. Um, check out the question to win that giveaway and get back to listening to this podcast so you can uh, win that package. We're gonna draw. A name from everyone who has the correct answer, and uh, whoever wins will be announced on the next podcast. Beauty. Yeah, right on, right on. So uh, let's waste no time. Let's tie in today's guest. Um, he's been waiting a little while, so let's get him on the line here, guys. Good evening. Hey, Kyle. How you doing, man? Oh, wonderful. And yourself, guys? Yeah, not bad, not bad. How's it going, Kyle? Hey, Eric. You're, you know, things are going good. Right on, man. You're, uh, you're, yeah. stay, you're staying sane with uh, the hunting seasons being all closed here? Oh, yeah, yeah. Getting getting a whole bunch of much-needed family time and hanging out and, yeah, tobogganing, hitting big jumps, as my son would say, <laughs> and all that fun stuff. Oh, man. I get nervous. I, I, I see your name pop up on social media. I'm like, oh, boy, what is it now? And uh, <laughs> it's, it's usually your son... You know, flying down a hill on a on a sled or on a bicycle or something, and uh, he's a little daredevil. Yeah, he's uh, he's crazy. We got him a little a little electric motorbike here this summer, and he was ripping wow. around on that. And wow. yeah, two years old, ripping around on an electric motorbike. Mom has a few gray hairs over well, that he's one. He's only so. two. Oh wow. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, born in may so he's coming up on three here soon holy smokes that's incredible man yeah yeah my so, son jackson we actually uh his grandparents got him a a quad a little 49 cc quad when he was it was not this past christmas but the christmas before so he would have been five and yeah. um he took it out this summer and the throttle stuck Oh, yeah, I remember and, that. and we were in bear camp and, you know, Amy yeah. phoned me and she's she, luckily he had his helmet on, but he didn't, he what didn't quite know what to do. Right. Like he didn't know yeah. that there's a kill switch and he ended up rolling the thing. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Had a helmet oh. on though. And luckily they have, you know, like he can only go so fast. You can't go that fast. They, we had it adjusted the throttle, um, but the freaking throttle stuck on it, but you know, he was fine um yeah bent the axle of the quad the you know everything's just mangled on this thing but uh scary moment but these kids man they just want to get right back out there and do it again so we uh we told them well we gotta either get this one fixed or you know we gotta we gotta practice a little bit um i hadn't spent much time with him but it was his grandpa that was out with him and uh yeah it's something else but the crazy thing is 
my youngest, who turns two here or turns two on Friday, um, seeing that he has an older brother, he is he is a daredevil. He goes nuts, and and he's he's strong too. Yeah, you know, and that's what you notice when you have a second kid. They're trying to keep up with the first one, and uh, and they're a little more reckless. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, they got to keep up, right? That's exactly it. So there's the two-year-old picking on the six-year-old, and vice versa. And so it makes me a little nervous to see how Rhett, you know, turns out in the coming years because we thought Jack was a handful. It sounds like you're gonna have a couple, uh, a couple good hands there to run baits for you, though, so you for can sure, uh, stick man. around home. For sure, two boys, and I feel bad for my wife, but this is what she signed up for, so. <laughs> yeah it's not the truth well it won't be long you know they're gonna grow up and she's gonna be wishing they're around a lot more when you're all out hunting yeah no for sure yeah it's pretty yeah, special it. they've they've really taken to uh you know enjoying being not being in the outdoors um even Rhett, the thing with Rhett, he hears a gun go off and he gets so excited because he relates that to joy and excitement because every success. time he's been with us and success every time he's been with us and he's heard a shotgun or heard a rifle, we've killed a grouse or we've killed a deer or even a bear. Um, he came hunting with us, just bear hunting, spot and stock, cruising around when he was like less than a year old. And, and that's when Amy got that bear that you came and looked look for with us. But um, yeah, it's amazing, man. You know, you involve these kids in, in what you do and, uh, and they're going to love it as much as you do. It's, it's something special. Well, and that's the thing. Like it's, you know, hunting's not part of our lives it, it it is our lives especially with our family business and and whatnot so you know there would be nights where for whatever reason i wasn't gonna go hunting the wind wasn't right or and my son would look at me and he's like daddy go hunting daddy shoot deer and i'm like no bud no i'm i'm gonna stay home and we're gonna play tonight and he's like no daddy go shoot deer <laughs> he, he was mad that it wasn't going i'm like man, maybe I should stick around home a little more here. Like, <laughs> no, but yeah, they just, they see, you know, family members participating in it and, you know, the camaraderie that it brings. And I mean, even young kids, they can tell emotions of happy, sad and whatnot. And they see it's happy, right? Yeah. So well, it, you're, it's you're a good in, thing to them. You're imprinting passion onto your kid, right? If, if yeah. they see you're totally passionate about something, they're, they're going to see that. They're going to pick up on that. Oh, exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. So let's dive into that, man. So you, you were raised and born in uh, in a hunting family. Give us a bit of the background of, of how you got into hunting, what hunting sort of means to, uh, to you and your family. Yeah. So, I mean, hunting, you know, for my family, well, I guess I should say my grandparents. So my dad hunts very rec- recreationally, but my grandfather has guided, you know, pretty much his entire life up in the Northwest territories. And then he has, uh, his outfitting business here down by Calgary. Um, so he's always been in the hunting industry. Um, I grew up and being on the farm was just, even as a kid, that's where I wanted to be. Right. And always went hunting with grandpa. Um, our ranch is in a archery only zone. So, I grew up around bow hunting and bow hunters and, and I have nothing against rifle hunting. It's just bow hunting was in my backyard. So that's what I started to do. Um, grew up with it. Always went hunting with my grandpa. Even as a little kid, I'd sit on the platform of the stand at the bottom and 
I remember, you know, having elk walk right underneath us. It was pretty cool. And as I got older, um, I guess I was 12 and I actually went and lived with my grandparents from the time I was 12 to when I moved out to go to university in the States. Um, so yeah, then it was just, it was really part of my life. Like my chores were, Hey, you know, we got three deer today. They need to be caped out. Yeah. That was just part of my chores. Right. Um, so yeah, it it was awesome. It was, it, it was a lot different because hunting wasn't, um, it wasn't a recreational sport for it is, you know, a lot of people, it was a job because that was, that's what was putting food on our table with our clients. That's just what um, you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it was a really unique upbringing in that sense. And the coolest part about it was the people that you meet. Sure. Like we have met people that were, you know, brain surgeons, um, microbiologists, uh, another guy owned um, the major competitor for Heinz ketchup. Um, Yeah. And so just the people that you you meet from all different walks of life that you would never meet, but they speak this common language of, of hunting. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely incredible. And this is all in, um, in a bow only zone. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing yeah, that stood out when I, uh, I don't know, when I stumbled upon your page a couple of years ago or three years ago or something. I'm like, who the heck is this guy that has photos of him since he was a teenager killing everything with a stick and string and all big bulls, big bucks? And uh, I couldn't believe it. But if that's what you do and if all you have is a bull only zone to hunt and that's what you're raised in, that's what your standards are. And that's just what you do, right? Just what you know. <laughs> Well, and not only that, but I am a horrible shot with a firearm. Um, like so bad. So in, in where our ranch is, we're in WMU two twelve, Um, and there's a late season draw opportunity for primitive weapons for cow elk and it takes about every two or three years to draw it. And I drew it and I thought, you know what, man, it'd be really cool to shoot something with a muzzle loader. I've yeah. never done it before. And in one day, I missed three times. The farthest shot was 80 yards and it was sighted in for a hundred. So what the hell happened? Was it, did you have I scope? Just, was it open sights or what? No, it was scoped. It was like, it was a great muzzle loader. I mean, it was sighted in there. It was just me. It's a little like, I don't know if I flinched that bad or what, but, uh, well, you know what, I man, just, I scoped myself when I was, I think, 18, and it took me damn near five years to get over that, six years. It took yeah. me a long time. Every time I'd go to pull that trigger, I'd flinch. And what I'd do is I'd start putting uh, just like dummy rounds when I'm at the range, just cycle them in and not know because they look the same. And yeah. uh, I'd catch myself flinching years after. And it took till I was like 26, 25 till I'd finally kicked it. And, um, and yeah, it was like traumatic to me because I'm like, this is what I love to do. And I can't kick this freaking flinch. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I scoped myself when I was like 18 dripping blood everywhere, split my face wide open. And, um, it was tough to kick. Um, oh, I, I can imagine. but yeah, you know, something just like a, a small flinch when you pull that trigger that can pull that bullet off. 
um, big time. And that's actually part of the reason why I got into bow hunting. Because I'm like, fuck, if I'm going to continue this damn flinch, and I just, I couldn't kick it. And with bow hunting, you don't need to worry about that. You got to be steady. You got to be very steady. Yeah. You got to have good form. Got to practice a lot more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's two totally different, different games, right? Well, I think it's, it comes down to, uh, especially just the fact that you practice, it's so much easier to practice a lot more. Yes. With I mean, a bow. If, if you're shooting 60 sh- rounds a night with a gun, you're yeah. probably going to be just as proficient. Yeah. Right. As you're shooting 60 arrows a night with a, with a bow. Well, but, and that uh, was a nice thing with archery for me is I could go in my backyard and exactly. fling arrows all night. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't exactly. have to go travel to a range with the rifle. Um, but yeah, so, um, so that's what really intrigued me about your page, man, is that you're just slaying stuff with the bow. So have you killed anything with a gun before? Or that was really your first run with this muzzleloader. Yeah. I, yeah. The, the only animal I've killed with, uh, with a firearm was my cat hunt back in 2019. Yes. And yeah. that's what started this, uh, this sheep hunting journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so the cat treed up, um, kind of on a northwestern slope, tall trees, really heavy. Um, it was a 33 yard shot at a cat that was about 50 feet in the tree. So, it, it, and he was hard, hard quartering away. Yeah. Um, and there was just no other shot. We spent, you know, a good hour walking in circles around this tree everywhere from the base out to. 40 yards trying to see what we could do. And that was what we come up with. Um, clipped a branch about two feet in front of him, hit him back, the other deflected. And the call was made that we had to run him again. And um, the cat wouldn't tree after that. And he baited up. And um, I, even before the hunt started, I, I told the, the outfitter, I said, look, I want it to be a bow kill. I'm a bow hunter. But I said, if it's, uh, you know, if it's going to injure a dog or a person, um, at that point, I have absolutely zero issue with shooting it with a rifle. I said, I, I don't want a dog to die and I don't want a person to die exactly, um, yeah. or get hurt. I said, so if it comes to that, I said, you don't have to feel bad asking me to shoot it. And it, it came to that. And at that point I was, I was very nervous about the situation. Yeah. Um, no doubt. So, so it, it, that's what it came to. And, um, you know, the, the cat hunt, it wasn't what I wanted, but it, I think it was what I needed. Yeah. And it just, we got a long ways back there. Um, it got cold. It got dark. Uh, I had a hard time breathing. Um, yeah, I was, I was a big boy. I was 303 pounds. So let's chat a little bit more about this, about this cat hunt here. Um, yeah. what day, like, were the, was this day one? Was this day five? Were you guys? No, this was day, I killed it on January 24th. Okay. Is I believe the day of 2019. And this but was an tag or was this a resident uh, tag? It was, a, no, it was a resident tag. Um, but I hired a houndsman. I hired, uh, the, uh, frozen man boys. Yeah. Um, so I went with them. And we started hunting, I believe it was December 8th. And it was, the conditions were kind of shitty at the end of 2018 going into 2019. So it'd be, you know, you hunt for four or five days, then you go home for a few days. And then 
Um, I'd never hunted cats before, like been on one other cat hunt, but I wasn't hunting. I was just taking pictures. Yeah. Um, so I told him, I said, look, I, if you're okay with it, I would like to not be on call. I would like to come and hunt. I want to get up. I want to learn what it's about. And if you're cool with that, he's like, yeah, man, that that's great. So, you know, I go up there and we get up early and, and cruise the roads and, um, I'd ask more questions than probably necessary, but you know, just interested, right? Yeah. So I think we were into it for, yeah, it was like day 22, um, of hunting. Did you guys cut um, any cat tracks or link? Or yeah, we, tracks? we cut quite a few cats. There was one we cut boxing day and we ran that cat. Well, we didn't, yeah, we ran him for four days. Um, and he just wouldn't tree until he got right up in the mountains. And they're just, if, if they didn't pull the dogs off, then it was, there was no road access. Like you, it would be incredibly hard to get the dogs back. Um, but it was 32 miles over four days. That cat went, Holy it, and that's, that's GPS miles in a straight line. Yeah. Um, mm. that's not how he walked. So yeah, we cut a lot of cat tracks, a lot of lynx tracks. Um, we treat, you know, a couple, a couple cats, just, uh, the ones we treat, like we treat a female that had a male with her, but when the, when the track split, the dogs took the female track. Okay. Um, yeah. And it was just a really cool experience. It was, it was hard. The guys were great. Um, you know, just most down to earth enjoyable bunch of people i've ever been around yeah yeah you um, know and i've i i just got back a couple of weeks ago from from looking for cougars for five days and and you know i i said it wasn't for me like we we cut one track at the last day and it was just um the dogs there's actually multiple cougars in this area and the dogs separated the lead dog treed the cat but it treed the cat several kilometers from where we were. And the other two dogs by this time had went four kilometers in the opposite direction. So it was, you know, we got one cat or one dog by itself with this cat. It's barking 50 barks a minute at a tree. So it's got the cat in the tree, but then it slowly started to make its way back. So luckily the cat got out and the dog made it back safe. Um, But yeah, it was just, you know, it was just mayhem because we were running out of light um you know this guy lost a dog a couple years ago and um you know when the dog split up like that and you got cats all over the place um you know things can go south really quick but i said it wasn't from what i experienced it wasn't physically taxing but it was mentally taxing you know up super early every day with your head on the ground looking for tracks um we had like three or four guys and we covered in the four or five days, we covered like 200 and some kilometers in total between all of us. And it wasn't until yeah. the last day we found a pocket of like three cougars in this one little area. But we just ran out of light. The dogs dogs got mixed up. Um, you know, it was just a tough, tough hunt for them. But um, yeah. so I had to leave that day and I actually just got a message from the guys. They had been hunting the same cat um, and the thing just wouldn't treat. They've been, they've been chasing it for several days and the cat just keeps going going it won't treat um, but they ended up getting one today actually a different cat um, but yeah it's it's something different man like you go into it thinking 
yeah, we're going to find a track, release the dogs, and then walk in on a, on a cougar. And it is, it is not what anyone expects going into a You know what? I, I thought the exact same thing. You drive the roads, you cut a track, you dump the dogs, the cat's up the tree, 200 yards later, you shoot it, it's done and over with. Exactly. It was a wake-up call. And I mean, yeah, there are hunts that happen like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but from where we parked the truck to where the kill site was on the cat with following our tracks was eight kilometers. Wow. So that it was chase the, chase the, the cat for eight kilometers. Well, it, no, it was only about three. Okay. Um, and that's where the initial shot was. Oh, but that's then right. after, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then after the cat bailed, um so the cat bailed, just didn't and then did you have a blood trail or did the dogs then yeah. get back on that trail or how did that work so i shot um we had video cameras rolling on it we had guys watching uh the dogs are all tied up because if the if the arrow on the broadhead stuck in it they wanted to make sure we could get that out of the cat before they let the dogs go on it so it didn't tear up the dogs yeah exactly so all the dogs are tied up the cat hit the ground and he tore off running and I looked at one of the, the guides and he's like, man, it looked back. And I'm like, no, that's not what I wanted to hear. And so we looked at the video, video footage there and it looked back. We walked out the cat's track just to see what the blood was like. You know, did it clip a major artery and it's down in a couple hundred yards or, or what? Right. And he just wasn't trans. So, um, Nathan there made the call and he's like, we got to run this cat again. Um, and so we ran him again and went dropped down into the bottom of one valley, went up over the ridge and down into this dark timber on a north slope. And, um, their big thing is these guys are all big sheep hunters and sheep guides. And, uh, two of them work for Ghana river as, you know, sheep guides. And they, they want to hunt cats that are killing sheep. So the majority of my hunt took place, you know, in your 400 WMUs because those are the cats that they really want to kill is the ones that are eating cheap. Um, so this was super steep train up what and down. Time, what time of day was it? Like where are you at for time and light wise right now? So I had come home two days before that. I went to work and then I got an in-reach message uh, like I literally had just got my coffee and sat down at my desk and I got an in-reach message saying, we finally got him boxed. How fast can you get here? Wow. And all my managers and everything knew that what was going on with this hunt. And, and I literally just stood up and left and I called my wife and I said, I need you to pile everything in the garage. This is what I need. This is what I need. And I, I had everything kind of grouped together, ready to go. Yeah. And I grabbed it. And so I met them. Um, I met them at, uh, I think it was like right around 1130. And so we had the cat treed and the first shot took place at, I think it was right around two o'clock. And we got back to the trucks at 1045 that night. Man, that is, I'm getting, like, that's intense just listening to that. Just because I have I know the experience now of finding a track and, and chasing that and just not exactly knowing what's going on. But getting yeah. that call that they've got it boxed, right? Like, yeah. you must, that must have been the longest drive ever just to get to them. 
<laughs> no, Especially you when you're doing the speed happen. limit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so they, wow. So you, um, you, that cat was in the tree. You got there at two o'clock and, uh, no, we, go, we, we had the cat treat at two o'clock. So I got there. Yeah. yeah. I got there a couple hours before that. Um, they had everything ready. Yeah. We went down to where the track was cut the freshest time dumped the dogs and then um they had a pretty good they killed a cat in that area a couple years before that so they had a pretty good idea where he would tree up on this slope where there's some um big pine trees yeah and so we knew kind of well they knew what direction we had to head and so we started getting up there and trying to get up this ridge and everything and, and then all of a sudden the dogs you know bait up and uh you know like i said i was a bigger boy so it took me a little bit to get up there snow was deep um whatnot and we got up there but wow. yeah Unreal, was, man. Unreal. it was something else that's for sure yeah no doubt well that's that's pretty darn cool and so that's when you realized that um you know you want to be a mountain hunter but you got to make some changes and you got to be able to uh endure the you know the kilometers you got to put on to chase sheep yeah so coming out of that hunt like it was really scary um you know my son at that time he was just born in may of 2018 and we're in january of 2019 and it was getting to the point that i i honestly didn't know if i was coming out um i couldn't walk 10 steps without losing my breath to the point that i was borderline passing out um, my chest physically hurt. Um, it was everything I could do. And, and the thing was everybody else had my gear. So I was literally only carrying my own body weight and I was just, I was done. Um, so I got home and, and the outfitter was like, man, we're, I'm taking you to the hospital. Like, I think you need to get checked out. And, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm good. And he's like, I don't think you are. So we started driving to the hospital to go get checked out. And, you know, I said, I got some water in me. I got some food in me. My chest pains are gone. You know, I, th- I think I'm good here. Like I you know I'm, I'm good. He's like, all right, if you say so. So I slept it off. I come home. I licked my wounds for a few days and it was about a week later. And I said to my wife, I said, man, you know, that country back there is just so pretty. I said, I, I really want to hunt sheep this year. Well, I was like, no, you're, you're not. And I'm like, why? Like, what's wrong with that? She's like, you darn near died on a cat hunt. And you want to go hunt sheep in the mountains. And, and I looked at her and I said, oh, but I'll train. And it was, it was at that moment that I just, I just decided I was going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I just did it. I just watched what I ate and I started walking on a treadmill and then walks turned into runs and it, it worked out. And then, yeah, that, that fall 2019, I was, I was sheep hunting. So that fall 2019, you were, uh, you had the boots strapped on and you were back in the mountains. Yeah. 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 I was and uh, did some, that summer was the first time I'd ever summited a mountain, um, not by a gondola. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I got to see some cool stuff and, you know, I, I have some friends that are very accomplished sheep hunters and, um, 
I always hate when people ask me, you know, where'd you get this or where'd you get that? And, and I, I told myself, I said, I will never, ever ask them where I need to go. Yeah. Um, but that didn't stop me from asking them things, you know, like I talked about in that blog of, you know, at this time of day, where, where would you find sheep? Are they going to be on the trees? Are they going to be in the scree? You know, um, I guess habitat type questions. How often do sheep water? You know, stuff that you just takes years of experience to pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, that would lead me to the right direction of where to find them. Yeah, and you really did your homework too. Like, not only just the sheep honey aspect of it, but also into the gear. Like, yeah. your journey of just finding the proper backpack. <laughs> yeah. And and the big thing too was, is, you know, every, everyone says that you're either going to love sheep hunting or you're absolutely going to hate it. And I didn't know where I was going to land. So I didn't want to go out and spend money on the best of the best gear and go out sheep hunting, absolutely hate it, and have 10 grand of top line gear that, uh, is now useless to me, right? Yeah. So I, there was a few pieces that I spent money on, like the backpack, but that's something I can use for my everyday hunting that I do, um, you know, around home here and whatnot, or even when we go down east for mule deer. And so, um, yeah, did quite a bit of, I don't know if I call research, but I, I just reached out to some people, and it, it's amazing um, if you reach out to people. Like I reached out some pretty big names on via social media, Instagram with very detailed questions. And if, I guess if you can demonstrate that you're interested and you've thought it out, these guys that I talked to were absolutely just great. Well, at without a doubt, man. And that's what's so cool about the hunting industry. Like even the, the big names, super experienced. They aren't superstars. They're just regular guys who love hunting, who like documenting what they do. And uh, most guys, they aren't going to publicly, you know, tell everyone their tips and this and that. But if you send them a message, a personal message, tell them, you know, ask them a question, this and that, they're almost always going to be willing to help you, most guys. Well, when it, when it comes to gear, too, if you're detailed and you're asking, you know, it's not just a question like, what pants should I wear on my elk hunt? You know, if you're asking yeah. like a detailed question and you've thought it out and they they can clearly see that you're, you know, you're a competent hunter, you're not just, you know, uh, you don't just want to be a fashion model or something, right? Then guys really appreciate that when you're, when you're testing gear, and they, they see that it's being used, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and I've had guys, you know, message me before and, and it's very detailed question. It's like, Hey, I've seen elk here doing this at this time. They're going from this food source, but then when this happens, they go to food, this food source. You know, I can't draw any conclusions. What are your thoughts? It's like, you know what? You've put in the time and effort to, you know, scout, find the animals and you're obviously paying attention. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, you know, give you my thoughts and try and help you out as opposed to, Hey, where do I find elk? Yeah. 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 No, without a doubt. And it's, you know, um, it's always super rewarding seeing someone have success that you've recently spoke with or helped them out with something. And, um, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty special. You know, we're, the hunting community is, is huge and, um, and you know, we, we got to help each other out. So it's, uh, 
it's it's rewarding doing that sort of stuff and and it you know it's it paid off for you you know did you yeah. how did that first hunt go okay let's dive into that like, oh. that was a bit of a journey on its own yeah so we go up there um so we were supposed to be at the trailhead first light uh but then i ended up actually killing a mule deer that morning oh on your um, way in well no like so we were supposed to meet i think not at first light but more like 10 o'clock and i'm like okay well there's a mule deer that i'd been watching um and i'm like okay i'm gonna go see where he is and just kind of find out where he is before i leave for a week well i found out where he was and he was in a very killable spot and and i ended up killing him nice. um so i called the guy that i was going in with i'm like yeah so i killed that mule deer that i was after and he's like oh perfect because i'm running behind on my paperwork for work i'm like oh this works out perfect so our plan was to get in there early get camp set up get up on top and you know put some glass down and see what's going on so that didn't happen we met up at the trailhead we got in we got camp set up and we had like maybe 40 minutes of daylight left and uh i said you know what man i said i'm not going i'm not leaving camp um i'm gonna get some water get some food go to bed like we have 40 minutes left we're not gonna do anything with that time and he agreed so we you know got tucked in went to bed woke up bright and early the next morning got up on top um before daylight Put some glass down and it was kind of disheartening because as we were going up we could see people uh two people coming from where we were headed oh, and i was back. like yeah and i was just like it's opening day 20 minutes into legal light and they're already coming from where we had planned to go and it's like this just can't be good so we continued on and turns out I, I knew them, um, just family, friends and friends of friends type thing. I knew who it was and had a chat with them and, and everything was good and, and they were heading down and I said, okay, well, so I looked at my buddy, I'm like, well, we're already up here. I mean, we might as well just keep looking around and we didn't walk 200 yards more the trail and looked around a corner and there was 17 rams wow yeah that they had just walked past um so yeah we got got on them made a play um the first time that day they fed past us at 45 yards but the the legal ram there was two legal rams one was for sure legal and the other one was too close for me to comfortably call so i was just as far as i was concerned there was one legal ramp um yeah they're you know mid 40 yards but the legal ram was right in the center with rams around them so and didn't get a shot on yeah, yeah yeah i i actually don't even own a rifle that's legal <laughs> to kill anything i was with, waiting so. for that I, i've seen you say that on facebook before so i was waiting for that <laughs> yeah i have it i own a 22 250 and that's it um but and that's that's the hard part like we're we're hunting and rifles on like the people that we were walking down they had rifles and they could have easily dumped this ram 
Man, that's um, fucking that's mad respect for you know first year and you're at forty five yards at seventeen reps. Well, and I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, this can't be this easy. Like, how is this happening? It's not. No, it just it isn't because it didn't work out. <laughs> um, no, and so they we didn't push it. We just kind of let it happen, and they walked off and went and bedded. So we got back up to where we dumped our packs, regrouped, um, you know, got a gauge on the wind, snuck in on them again, um, snuck in on them bedded, and they were anywhere from 17 to 40 yards, but we couldn't see the legal ram. There was kind of a cliff below us, and we figured he was bedded right against the cliff below us. And half an hour later, he walks out, and he beds down, um, at the hardest quartering towards angle I've ever had at 36 yards. You're making my palms sweat. Oh, I was so nervous. So we're sitting there, and there's a legal ram bedded at 36 yards, quartering towards us slightly downhill. I'm like, okay, well, my guess is, you know, give it an hour. He'll stand up, stretch, do a circle, and lay back down. Somewhere in that time, I'm going to get a broadside or a quartering relation. And I got a great shooting lane. I'm in the shadows. I built the draw. It'll be perfect. Well, yeah, 15, 20 minutes later, she stands up, turns, and faces straight away from me. So are you and are you in the timber? Are you on an open hillside? Like how, are you I'm in- I'm in the timber on the edge of an avalanche chute. And it's kind of an old avalanche chute that's got some of those four, five foot uh spruce trees growing in it. Yep. And they're just downhill from me, and it's, I would say there's probably like a 15-foot rock ledge that I'm on top of, and they're down below it. Okay. And so they're downhill from me, but then there's a steep rock ledge, and I would say I was about maybe 10 or 15 yards uphill from where the drop-off was. So this ram stands up and turns and faces straight away from me, and. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, he'll turn eventually and give me a shot. So I'm trying not to rush anything or take an unnecessary shot. And he just turns or he just walks straight away from me. And uh, that was it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess there isn't going to be a shot. Um, so, yeah, he walked away. Uh, and that was it. They got into some pretty gnarly stuff after that. So we left them, just sat on them, had some snacks, watched them. Went back to camp. So, yeah, naps and snacks are the highlights of early season sheep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. walking away from a ram is tough. No, naps and snacks are are the pinnacle of sheep hunting. Exactly. So, yeah, we had some of those and watched them on that day and then uh, tried again the next day. Um, I got in on them again. Uh, went in and left. It was, they were just in a spot where it was really only set up for one guy to go in after them. They were feeding below me, and I never got a good opportunity at the legal ram while they didn't know I was there, but then they caught my wind, and they kind of come out, and the only two rams out of the bunch that tipped up came out side by side at 22 yards facing me, well, they were broadside, but both looking at me. Wow. So I never got a profile view. And like I said, one one was legal because he got shot that year, but 
it was too close for me to tell. And the very legal one was standing right beside him. So I had a 50, 50 opportunity and I'm like, I'm not gambling with shooting a, a short Ram on a 50, 50 chance. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that opportunity and went back a couple more times that season and just always close, but never close enough. Also, that's the thing with archery hunting, though, is the stars really got to align. Everything's got to be perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, because a lot can like, go wrong. But there, there's, there's a hut. There's hundreds of sheep hunters out there that have, you know, killed dozens and dozens and dozens of rams that have never been within forty yards of them. And that's something that only comes with having a bow in your hand, right? It's well, necessity. Yeah, you, you don't have an op. You don't have a choice. You have to get close exactly yeah so but it was fun and the coolest part about it is i mean you see some of the most pristine country um it just like one of my friends told me he's like sheep hunting will take you places that you never thought you'd go sure and it's true it's a lot of fun yeah yeah it'll 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 take your mind places too that you you never thought you'd go yeah (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. In in this year's sheep hunting, uh, twenty twenty, you know, I had more knowledge, better gear, more experience, but uh, yeah, my sheep hunting partner that I was going in with, um, his wife was very close to expecting, so he he wasn't able to come with me, and I was like, okay, well, I'll just do a solo hunt. That's fine. And it was great until a grizzly bear came through my camp oh, two no. nights in a row. Awesome. Yeah, so that that's where the fun ended. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? My life, yeah, I think it's just time to go home. Yeah, so, yeah. so you're out there for a few days here uh, in August this year? Yeah, yeah, I went out. Uh, I was out there for three days. The grizzly showed up the third night, about wow. 2 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, it's like, okay, you know, whatever, he's just passing through. But then when he came through, um, on the fourth night, that's when I was like, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You don't want to gamble there. Oh yeah. And I had intentions of going back and I don't know, elk hunting got in the way, I guess. Yeah. Well, you got a dandy bull this year. Yeah, not gonna complain about that. That's for sure. Yeah, it looks like you guys had a great elk season. Yeah, you know what? This this hunting season was just right from May. Um, you know, on my bear hunt, uh, this hunting season was just more than I ever could have thought it would have been. Like, we just had so much fun. Awesome. Um, yeah, like the coolest thing my grandpa shot. Like, my grandpa's seventy eight years old, still bull hunting. And uh, when he shot his bull this year, I've never heard or seen anyone so excited. That's in my incredible, life. man. That is super cool. Yeah. Right yeah, on. we showed up. Like, I was working night shift then, and uh, he called me and he's like, Yeah, I shot a great bull. He's like, Oh, that's awesome. I said, Do you want me to bring my camera out, take some nice pictures? No, you just work nights. I said, Well, I said, it only take an hour for me to come out. Okay, yeah, come out. So I grabbed my son and we headed out there. 
Yeah, well, between the time I left my house and the time I got out to our ranch, uh, our neighbor kid was hunting with my grandpa, and he shot his first animal, and it was a 6.6 bull. And oh, wow. The two bulls ended up dying 60 yards apart. So, But, uh, yeah, I got out there, and it was pretty cool. My, my grandfather had my son's hand, and they're walking through the bush, and he was showing my son the blood, and my son turns to me and goes, Dad, I'm on a blood trail. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Right okay, buddy. Yeah. So super cool. Yeah. yeah just, you got a dandy bear this spring too, eh? Yeah, and that was probably the quickest, one of the quickest hunts. Was uh, that on day one or two? Well, it it was day two. So I drove up on Sunday to go meet up with Blake. Um, we baited. We got organized on Sunday, baited Monday, hunted Monday night. Um, there was 13 bears that night. And smokes. at that bait? Yeah, at the bait. Holy we seen a, we seen a black. Um we ha- yeah, we had black and cinnamon that night. Yeah. For color phases. Uh and then that night Blake said damn, I forgot to turn the trail camera on when I left last time. So we had four days of no pictures. But while we're eating, he said, the last round of pictures I had, there were some really big bears hitting first thing in the morning. Do you want to hunt in the morning? I said, yeah, do what needs to get done. So we got up at 4 a.m. We were in the stand by 4.30 I think legal light was like 450. It's early um, bear season, man. No one hunts mornings. Oh. I remember hearing about this. Yeah, so we at 445, we heard limbs breaking and a blonde came in. And uh no, sorry, it was a it was a chocolate. It was a, it was a chocolate sow that came in and feeding there, and this was the most beautiful bear that I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. I haven't seen many, but it was just such a pretty bear. I there's no way I could have ever shot this bear. It was just so pretty. Yeah. And so I was having the time of my life. The sun's coming up. There's this beautiful chocolate sow there. And all of a sudden, like 45 minutes, an hour later, it's getting nervous. Um, and I'd seen it the night before, you know, a bit bigger bear comes in, they get nervous. They run off Yeah. or run a little bit. Well, this sow pinned ears and was gone. And, Blake looked at me and he's like, get your bow ready. This is a giant. And I'm like, okay, sure. So I don't really know a big bear from a a good bear. So this bear walks in, walks over to the, uh, the left side of the bait, does 180 degrees, comes over to the right side of the bait and lays down instantly. And so I'm standing up, I got my camera rolling and, um, I look at Blake and Blake's like, this, this is a big bear. But I told Blake, I said, you have to tell me if you think it's a shooter. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. And so nine minutes or 10 minutes goes by and the bear sits up and Blake's running my other video camera. Bear sits up and Blake looks at me and he's like, no, don't shoot it. But then something made a noise away from the bear. So it turned and stretched and completely opened up the side that was facing us. Yeah. So Blake looks at me, he's like, shoot this bear. And so, yeah, I drew back and 
shot the bear. Great shot. I was very nervous at first because when the bear ran off, there was, in my arrows are 29 inches and there was 20 inches of arrow sticking out. Okay. And so I was very, very nervous. Um, what happened was the arrow went all the way in, hit the offside leg, shattered the leg, but then it bounced back out. Oh, wow. Um, so when you slow it down, you can see the arrow go all the way in and then come back out. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So bear made it 30 yards and, um, yeah, it officially scored 20 and six. That's a big bear, man. To get anything over 20 inches is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, very shocked i i shot a bear in 2013 that went 17 and 10 yeah and the two skulls side by side is just like two different animals it's incre- oh it's incredible yeah yeah that's unreal yeah. you know and we we hunt bear hunting is just a staple for us up here and it's something that i look forward to every year and um you know i've killed more bears than i have anything else really and uh and haven't cracked 20 um you know they're there um but you gotta you gotta pass on a lot of bears to kill a 20 inch yep. <laughs> yeah. and you know it's incredible that you guys got out there at 4 a.m but if you've seen 17 bears there um or yep. 17 bears were there the day before that makes sense why they're hitting that bait so early because they don't want to mess around with other bears they don't want to fight over that bait even if they are the biggest bear so they're going to come yeah. in earlier in the day because there's going to be bears there all day long. So they want to get in there, um, you know, before the other bears get in or whatever else. So they'll hit that all, you know, throughout the day. But, uh, yeah, no, kudos for you guys, man, for getting up and getting out there and, and getting that giant down. That's something else. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, we, we were sitting around and uh, I had the whole week booked off. So I hung around for a couple of days and, um, did a bit more filming and stuff and I had a second tag, but you know, I got one big bear and I was very happy and it was sure. just good with that and hung up for a couple of days. And then Blake was like, man, you know what? I'm so jealous of you boys down the South, you know, spot and stock, mule deer, cropland, coolies, all that. And I'm like, well, come down, like, let's make it happen. And so we, he made the time and we went down the South, Eastern Alberta and uh yeah the season opens September 1st and I think I don't know if it was 11 o'clock on September 1st and Blake had his first uh archery meal deer dead yeah and I remember following so, his story and just thinking like oh wow you guys didn't even uh you didn't even really hunt it was just right there yeah well so we found um there was a pretty good buck a young buck, about a three and a half year old buck. I put him at about 188 um, with double drop tights. Blake really, really liked this deer. Wow. And uh, so we found him and put him to bed in, in the afternoon. And then he's like, Well, what do we do? I said, Well, there's some other coolies. Let's go check these out and see what's in there. And we stumbled upon five bucks. And uh, Blake's like, Well, what do you think? And I said, man, it's your tag. It's up to you. I said, this one buck is he's probably, you know, 173 to 175. Really nice buck. You've never killed an archery mule deer. I said, if it was me, I would shoot it. But I said, if you have your heart set on the double drop time, I wouldn't. It's like, yeah. you know, he's doing that whole one in hand versus five in the bush, yeah. you know, a deal. And uh, 
He's like, you know, you're right. I've never shot one before. This is a beautiful buck. He's full velvet. And it just, it worked out perfect. And he shot this buck. And yeah, when Blake and I hunt together, it doesn't usually last too long. (laughs) That's a good thing, though. He's got to come in those sheep hunts with you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It worked out. So I was going to, we were going to stay and hunt a couple more days. And my grandpa called me and he's like, hey, the elk moved in. Are you guys done down there? And I said, Well, yeah, we are. And the big animal I want to get every year is um is a cow elk. Okay. I'll put a cow elk in the freezer. Um where our ranch is, I can get uh an antlerless elk license that comes with two tags every okay. year over the counter. So you know it's nice to put that antlerless elk in the freezer and then you know, really search for a, a big bull. And you still get your bull tag, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, so we pinned it home, and and um, the day that I got home was uh, I got home. The elk were there that morning. I went out the next morning, and they had moved off our property onto um, our neighbor's property. So that killed the elk hunting very quick. But yeah. then, yeah, I managed to get in on some mule deer, and. And we killed Blake's mule deer on the first, and then I killed my mule deer on the fourth. Oh, background. Nice. Nice, so it worked out. Yeah, right on. And all, uh, what are you using for broadheads? Or what would you kill your bear with and the mule deer with? So, everyone, every animal I killed that was a little bit different. So, I shot my bear with uh, the Black Widow Innovations with their vented Widowmaker. Okay, yeah. That's why I shot my with and then i shot my mule deer with the black widow um with their solid blade widow maker okay nice yeah yeah and then uh, i was talking with blake and he's like hey i got these new prototypes in you know what's the chances you think you're gonna you know get on some elk and maybe kill an elk and they said uh, i hope pretty good <laughs> So I really want to kill one. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to send you some. Um, I really want to see how they do on big game animals. And so he sent them to me, and I think I got them in the mail on the 28th. And I ended up killing my bull on, on the 30th with it. And it's uh, their new broadhead that's coming out this year. It's called the Recluse. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty deadly little head. It's almost like a mini um solid blade widowmaker so it's four blades solid uh one inch by one inch cutting diameter so it's a little smaller on the cutting diameter yeah. um and a stubbier body nice. so so it sounds like I, it's sort of similar to the the qad exodus i believe shorter uh, may, i think that's a four yeah. blade solid yeah I've been using we've been using the PX2s myself and, and you too, Eric, eh, for yeah, the last I've, I've three been years using or so. The PX2s, yeah. And they've been working yeah. phenomenal. And that's what I actually shot my mule deer in 2019 with okay. was uh, a PX2. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going into 2021. What do you uh, what do you have on the list for broadheads this year? What are you going to use? Uh, I'm going to stick with that recluse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I shot that. Well, I shot both my elk this year. I shot a cow elk and a bull elk this year. Okay. Um, with that recluse, and I shot my whitetail buck with the recluse. Um, but yeah, I shot that bull at sixty-one yards this year, and 
Nero didn't completely pass through, but the broadhead was sticking out four inches on the offside. Wow. Broke a rib going in and out. Um just to get that kind of penetration at that kind of at that distance. Yeah, no um, doubt. Was remarkable. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Right. And like I shot my whitetail buck straight on um at 17 yards with it. And um I found the broadhead wedged in his pelvis. Holy smokes. Wow. So yeah, it's it's a hard hitting little little beast yeah so how do you do your whitetail hunting down there is it uh spot and stock or are you sitting in tree stands or or how do you typically hunt them so i'll be honest this is probably the first year in in very well, probably at least four or five years that i've hunted whitetail i don't enjoy hunting whitetail i'm not a tree stand hunter i like being on the ground yeah. i really enjoy mule deer and elk um this year i was you know, I had some really good luck on my side, and uh, when November rolled around, a whitetail tag was the only thing I had left. So I ran trail cameras, and I put up stands, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, I really got into it. It was fun. Um, there was one buck at the kind of start of November that I knew about, and I hunted him uh, in 2019 for a little bit. And uh, just a really big, clean 4x4. That's, he was never going to be anything more than a 4x4. Um, but he was a big deer. And I had him on trail camera from the summer. Hello? We lose him there. Oh. Hello? Hey, I got you there, Kyle. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, no worries. So you had him on trail camera from the summer. Yeah, so I had him on trail camera for the summer. I hadn't hunted that property a whole bunch, so I I um, put some cameras out, moved some stands around, and I I actually had him at 17 yards from a bail blind one evening. But I had the wrong window open, oh, and no. I spooked him trying to move windows. Yeah. Um, set up on him the next morning. I'd never seen a deer from my stand. I had to walk 200 yards from my stand back to my truck, and I jumped him out of his bed on oh, that walk. No. Uh, that was November 7th. Never seen him again until November 15th, and I actually ended up killing him on November 15th. Wow. Yeah. His doe ran over to my stand, and he followed her, and yeah, it just it worked out. Yeah incredible yep. man and that's pretty special you know a buck that you you've watched and that you had your sights on the the year prior and then to get that down that's uh that's it's always uh always special when that happens yeah and it just it was one of those like i'll be honest you know hunting doesn't always go the way we want it to um <laughs> very rarely no and this was it, you know, that's why I hate social media. You only ever see the best of the best on social media, right? Yeah, oh, and man. you don't see the trials and the tribulations. Early September, the first two weeks of September are the most probably painstaking, like, Instagram feeds. For me, anyway. Oh. Like, it's just elk, six, seven-point elk, every single picture. Yeah. So, the doe ran over to the, to the draw that I was in, and and she came past me, um, and he followed her, and he walked past my stand. Um, he was one yard from the base of my tree. 
and I saw it, and it was not a fatal shot. I I hit him such a, a steep shot, it hit him like it almost went right down the side of his ribs. Almost oh, what wow. it did there. So I knew I'd hit him, um, but he took off and he was chasing his doe. He wasn't worried about the hit. So I got down out of the stand and I just I followed the blood along. And uh, this draw that I was in was probably only 40 yards across and I was right in the center and it, I kind of got down to a thick spot and, and his doe actually had turned and I seen her coming back up the draw. And so I got ready and that's when he popped out at 17 yards. And I was just, I was lucky that, you know, I got a second chance at him. The, the first shot wasn't fatal by any means, but. Um, yeah. To get that second was, opportunity though, man, that's uh yeah, that's lucky. Right on. Well, and yeah, just, I mean, yeah, I put an arrow in him and you don't, you don't like those animals to suffer. Right? I mean, no. we're hunters and we want to kill him, but at the same time we want it to be clean, you know, ethical and, just moral right yeah. so yeah for sure so it was nice to close that chapter fairly quickly yeah without a doubt are you doing any predator hunting this winter after wolves or cats or anything like that um so i want to go on another cat hunt it's probably not going to happen this winter where i live we have a lot of cats okay we're not allowed to run them with dogs here um there's just it's all private land where i live and if you run a cat, you know, a mile, you cross four different people's exactly, lands. Exactly, yeah. So it's really hard that way. We are allowed to hunt them and shoot them year-round if we own or occupy the land. Yeah. Um, we don't have wolves, knock on wood, yet. Um, but coyotes were really bad this year. We It was the highest coyote population I've seen, um, wow. you know, it, probably in the past 10 years. Yeah. So going back to our conversation earlier, I'm not much with a rifle. I have a, a few friends that have some pretty um, incredible rifle setups yeah. and are really good shots. Um, so I'm gonna, I'll probably spend some time just going out with them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, they they can do the shoot. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, geez, if you got a lot of them, you got to do something about it. Yeah. Are you guys doing any wolf hunting or anything? Well, I've got a, I, I always run a few baits in the wintertime. Um, I don't often get time to sit at them, but I think this year, um, you know, I've got one right close to home and, and uh, I'm going to try and make it out to, to sit. And then I've got about 80 acres of hay to a hay field and, and there's just coyotes everywhere. You know, we have a dozen coyotes in the field just about every night. Yeah. Maybe when the days get a little bit longer and I'm and I'm you know home from work and there's still a little bit of daylight when they're running around, uh, I'm gonna try and do a little bit of control. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, a guy has to, right? It's uh, otherwise it's just psych, uh, cyclical. You know, the predator numbers come up, and then before you know it, your your ungulate numbers are dropping, right? So yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing around here. The wolves are just so so bad around here. Um, you know, if when you're out deer hunting, you'll see, you'll see a set of buck and doe tracks and usually not far behind it, you'll see, you know, a pack of wolves. And, um, you know, there was multiple times this year, um, actually one time in particular that stands out is I hiked into a, a cup lock that was, you know, quite a ways tucked back sort of in the middle of, 
of of nowhere basically and i got back there and i actually bumped um a pack of wolves so they went and bedded down in the valley side and they were just howling like crazy and there was wolf tracks everywhere and they are they're everywhere around here it's unreal it's unreal and eric he actually just checked his bait here tonight and like he said there are wolf tracks and yeah they're living in there there's uh well there's just i think there's just you know with with all the industry we're able to travel around all over these remote areas with the roads and the trails and everything and the logging and you know so are these wolves unfortunately it makes it easier for them to you know get on our calves and our moose and our deer and our elk and uh you know it's just tough and with the fur market being the way it is and guys just aren't trapping anymore it's it's uh it's tough to keep those wolves in check yeah and that's one thing too like we don't have the wolves where we are yet, but I know, you know, just 30 minutes east of us, um, one of my buddies, he shot three last year. Yeah. Um, they're coming. I hope they don't because I've seen what they've done other places. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I, what I am happy to see is there's a lot of popularity growing around predator hunting. So that's, that's nice. Yeah, there's it's definitely of, growing. It, yeah. it is, and um, and there's some guys that just absolutely love it and live for predator hunting when it comes to you know coyotes and wolves and, and but it's, whatnot. It's but. tough. It's kind of you know it's one of those things. It's like uh, you know it's like believing in ghosts but never having seen one because you know I spent a ton of time in the bush and I've only seen wolves a handful of times, and uh, you know the tracks are always there. You won't go a day out here. You won't go five miles out here without crossing a wolf track on a road somewhere and uh, yeah. but, but you just never see them so it's tough for guys even guys that are hunting all the time to really you know want to to get after them and crack down on them because they're just never they're never in your line of sight yeah you'll see you'll hunt you know all fall and uh oh, this fall i seen three or four and that was the most i've seen but in, no in shot opportunity but no shot opportunity yeah. right and i was more than ready each time but just didn't work out um but uh, you know if you run a good bait and if you put in the time um it'll happen it's definitely doable yeah well yeah. and that that's like anything like i've always said that the most successful hunters and i don't care what it is but the most successful hunters are those with the most time yeah absolutely and i and i think that's why like you look at alberta this year there's a pending Hope and Young world record non-typical elk that came out of Alberta this year. Um, a new Alberta provincial record for non-typical mule deer, velvet archery. Um, COVID had everything to do with it. You had a whole bunch of people that had a whole bunch of time. Yeah, we saw that with the shop here, even with our bears, right? This spring, we thought, you know, it might be dead, but it was just crazy. Everybody was bored and decided to go hunting this year. And we noticed well, that with bears in particular, because around here, at least, if you're out, you know, if you if this is your first year hunting, and you're out there in the fall in September, you're more than likely gonna have an opportunity at a bear before you have an opportunity at deer, just because there's so many of them. Yeah. So yeah. everyone was shooting bears, and uh, yeah, we just got flooded with them this year, and uh, you know, and it's it's good because there are a lot of bears. Like it's nothing in September to go and see ten bears. We've you know it's it's a normal thing there's just a lot of bears around but like you said kyle that you know the most successful people are often the ones that are out there you know the most and i i always said that when i was guiding too i always tell guys you know it doesn't matter where we go necessarily 
um, you know, the, the finer details really don't matter because when it comes down to it, you just got to be out there from dark to dark every day. And, and when it's going to happen, it's going to happen. The way I look at it, it's, it's sort of already written in the book. Um, you know, you're just going to be the right place, right time, and you better have your finger on the button or, or you're going to miss your opportunity. Well, and, and you know what, even to further that, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, on social media, it's only the best of the best that gets posted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it looks like I had, you know, an absolutely amazing season. But what you don't see is at my main job, I was only working 50% time this year. Yeah. So if you actually look at animals harvested per hour hunted, I'm probably arguably one of the worst hunters in Alberta. Because you've got so many yeah, like, and, and we, we sort of argue, you know, some more than others, we sort of argue that, that hunting is our, our cheaper way of harvesting meat and, and blah, blah, blah. But if we broke it down to dollar per dollar per day, we'd probably be investing more than we do in our vehicles or our house a year just in, in per pound in meat. Well, and that's, that's what we tell non-hunters is that... <laughs> is that that's our cheap way of getting meat but then anyone who actually knows that it's definitely not cheaper to get meat this way but that's so i also look at it a little bit different because that has been brought up just like you guys alluded to you know the cost of the camel the firearms the fuel all that but what i also argue is when i calculate it i only take into account the cost of butchering the animal for the per pound price because everybody has to have a hobby. So exactly. I have friends that Absolutely. will spend $25,000 on a sled. Um, and then they, you know, there's the insurance on it. You have to have the truck and the trailer to go do it. The hotel rooms, all of that, right? So hunting is just my hobby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm the same way too. You know, everything, everything I release, any big purchase I make, it's almost always geared towards at least the industry because maybe that's just my excuse for buying it like oh well i'll use it for filming or i'll use it uh, when i'm outfitting or whatever but it might just be a luxury item yeah but you know it's it's just it just goes towards that that passion or that hobby yeah it's it's really interesting you know looking at uh just the whole thing of you know buying things like you're saying um you know, I've noticed that there'll be your brand new hunters that go out and they think they have to have, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm not sure what it is, but the top of the line rifle yeah. and, or the top of the line bow and they buy, you know, Swaro optics and Sitka or Kuyu. And well, then Camel's, Camel's a big one, definitely. Right. Cause it's sort of oh, like, yeah. it's like playing the part if you wear and and um, you know, you wear Sitka. I, I know I like to wear my Sitka. You know, I know a lot of guys that swear by Kuyu or Badlands or Scree or, you know, there's there's a there's a hundred different companies out there now. When it comes down to it, really, it's just what works for you. And for me, at least, it, it's what keeps me out there the longest. That's exactly the point I was going to make. All this high-end gear is not going to make you a better hunter. But... The high-end, like camels specifically, what it will do is it will help keep the people who want to be out there in adverse conditions, it will help them be out there longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Giving them more time, which is more opportunity. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you're comfortable, right? If you're comfortable, you'll you'll make a better shot and you'll be out there, yeah, longer in the rain, yeah. whatever it takes. So Yeah, and honestly, like, yeah, there's the whole Kuyu and Sitka and first light argument. Honestly, the reason that I started with Sitka is because their open country pattern is the best thing that I've found for hunting white poplars on the ground for elk season. Okay. I hunt a lot of white poplars and you look at your um, your mossy oaks or your real trees, they're really quite dark yeah. in the yeah, pattern. Traditional dark timber. Yeah. yeah. Down here in the southwest foothills, you get into those white um, poplars, and you need something really light so you don't look like a black blob standing on the ground. Yeah. yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, if you're getting into it, just get what you need. You know, if, if you need, need a rifle, go and pick up a... A three hundred and fifty dollar rifle to get you through, because that'll kill anything you really need it to kill. Um, oh yeah. You know, and go to Walmart, just buy the camo you need just to get out there. You don't have to invest a whole lot of money. It, and then if it's something that you love, and you probably will get absolutely obsessed like us eventually, uh, then you invest in it, right? And there's a lot to invest in, whether you're spending a few thousand on on a spotting scope, another thousand on binoculars, then you know, your bow and everything else, it adds up. But just to get going, um, it doesn't take much. And uh, you don't need much because uh, once you get out there, that deer, that bear, that elk, they don't care what kind of binos you have. They don't care what kind of gun you have. As long as you can release an arrow or release a bullet, um, that's all you need, man. Confidently, right? So, Oh, exactly. The best gear for any person to buy is the gear that gets them out in the field. The gear that Whatever that afford. is. Yeah. 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 No, without a doubt, man. Well, I'm glad to have you on here. You know, we, we covered a lot here and, uh, the big thing for us was just to go over that, that, uh, that sheep hunting journey that you've been on those articles that you yeah. put together on the webpage. Those have always been, you know, some of our top read articles. People absolutely love them. And, um, and we look forward to uh, to seeing what twenty twenty one brings for you in uh, you know in everything not only not only sheep hunting but uh, you know elk deer and and everything else. So, well, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sheep is top of the list for twenty twenty one, and uh, I think I'm really gonna try and pull my moose tag. I, I am gonna try and pull my moose tags. So. Oh, nice. Are you uh, hunting moose close to home, farther north? No, it's it's. Uh, kind of northeast is where i'm headed okay yeah. um we're gonna try to anyways yeah. um in our home zone i've had some great opportunities at some absolute just huge bulls um but uh it's just they're my achilles heel they're my kryptonite whatever yeah. can <laughs> go wrong has gone gone wrong with them okay um so hoping to try and put a a bull down but we'll see are you looking to hunt the rut or post rut or what do you have planned? Uh, I don't probably the rut. Yeah, so um, that, that early season tag. Yeah, so the the zone I'm gonna try and pull it's one of the zones that you can hunt with archery until the 31st um, of October, and oh, then okay, yeah, that's nice. And then you can hunt November with a rifle. I mean, right. yeah, I won't, I won't hunt with a rifle try and get done with a bow read until if, if it's to the end of the month there. Um, the big thing is, so I'm part of the Alberta Bow Hunters Association yeah. and I'm a level five on their grandmaster. So 
if I get to a level six, that's when I get that hand drawn personalized portrait. Wow. Um, so I'm, I need a moose or a sheep or a cougar. So I'm really, really determined. I really want that portrait. So it's, uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. It's incredible what the Bow Hunter Association is doing here in Alberta. And it's so important that we have a voice like that, um, you know, to be heard as a community. Yeah, it, it's great. And I mean, their awards program is, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. And uh, and the banquets are a great time too. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, I hope we can move past the whole COVID pandemic and we can get back to these social functions that are, you know, not only a great fundraiser, but who doesn't like an evening filled with a couple of drinks and some big big hunting tails so it's always yeah. a good time oh yeah. for sure well keep us posted as to uh when uh when things get back on track i'd love to uh love to attend that and um yeah thanks again for coming on man we greatly appreciate it you know we shot for an hour we're right around 80 minutes right now so phenomenal oh, boy. and um yeah thanks again for coming on kyle we appreciate it big time and all the best in the new year yeah, it's my pleasure, guys. I really appreciate your time, and uh, I wish you and your families all the best in 2021 here. Awesome, man. Good luck this season. Thanks a lot. Shoot straight, guys. Yeah, right on. Thanks so much, Carl. You bet. Bye now. Okay, guys, so the winner of our last podcast giveaway was Rondi Kenneth Beaver. Rondi, send us a message, and we'll get that prize package sent off to you right away. And everyone else, don't forget to enter this podcast giveaway. The question will be posted on our Facebook page. Thank you all so much for listening. There we go, Kyle Sinclair Smith. Yeah, quite the guy. Eh? A lot of stories. Quite the guy. Quite the quite the uh, the history there. You know, yeah. with his family and outfitting and and uh, you know, just just growing roots in the industry. Yeah, yeah, and it's something something different to I'd imagine to be born in a family that looks at hunting in that way as that is what you do and that's your it's what you do they're professionals right because most people you're either that's your hobby that's what you do to get away but this is your your livelihood this is yeah. what you do right yeah and it's and it's funny in this province I, i've sort of talked about this before it's it's kind of a complicated idea to to unpack but in alberta the way that our system works you know there's there's sort of hobbyist outfitters or weekend outfitters, you know, they do a couple weeks a year, maybe two hunts a year, even one hunt a year. Um, and then they still work full-time jobs and, and, and just sort of do it as a side gig. And then there's people like Kyle's family that started, you know, that's all they've ever done. Yeah. That's just what they do full-time and, yeah. and, uh, and they're real professionals at it. Yeah, it's incredible. And Alberta leaves a lot of opportunity for guys who want to do that. Yeah. You know, there's not many places where you can literally go and buy an allocation for someone. And then just like that, you're an outfitter yeah. and just build it from something small to something big like that. That's it's right. uh, it's pretty special. This, uh, this province offers a lot to, you know, the hunting community, to outfitters and everything else. So we're quite fortunate for sure. Right on. Well, let's wrap her up, man. That was, uh, I'm glad to have Kyle on. We've, we've tried to get him on for a while and everything worked out just perfect. Um, and yeah, guys, check out nontypical.org. Go and check out um, his sheep hunting series. I think there's like seven or eight articles. There's, there's eight. I'm halfway through there's it eight. now, and yeah. uh, it's it's uh, it's got my palms sweating, man. It's it's awesome. It's he's an incredible writer. There's some great photos that tie into with everything. He is everything. an inc incredible photographer as well. Great so photographer. Check yeah. out. I I don't. 
I could pull up his Instagram. I don't know what his Instagram is, but uh, you know, he he has some some amazing photos on his on his page. So yeah, yeah, check really it out. Good stuff. Um, and his articles, they will actually be on the main page, I believe, because I think they were released last year. Our blog page only holds so many articles. So if you go on nontypical.org and scroll down, there's an archive of every single article. So you can check his out there. And uh, yeah, don't forget, go to our Facebook page, check out the podcast question, send us a message with the answer, and you will be entered to win that prize package, which will be announced on the next podcast. We'll have a winner for that. Beauty. Right on. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate it big time, and we will chat with you next week on the next podcast. Here's to 2021 being better than 2020. <laughs>